the name of Jesus is above every other name. And at that name, the Bible tells us one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. On that day, everyone will bow. But today, those of us who know him, we can bow before him. We have the privilege of worshiping. We enter into relationship with him through our praise. The Bible tells us this is our offering to him. As we look this morning at our passage of scripture, I invite you, if you have your copy of God's word, to turn to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33. And uh, we'll be reading verses 30 through 33. If you uh, are just kind of have been out for a while, or if you're new here today, you, you haven't seen, but we've been in a series in Ezekiel, and you'll see that it's called Strangest Things, kind of a play off the Stranger Things TV show. And we called it Strangest Things because Ezekiel is a wonderful but wild and weird book. It is some of the strangest, some of the, most, some of the oddest things you will see in Scripture come from the book of Ezekiel. Now, you don't have to have seen all of that to understand today's message, but just take my word for it that Ezekiel was a different kind of dude. He did some different stuff, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But because of he was because he was so unique. I mean, Ordinary, normal prophets were kind of strange people, kind of a little different. And Ezekiel was weird among the prophets. I mean, he was a very strange guy. And because of his difference, because he was so unique, he kind of had a unique ministry and a unique following. And, and that's uh, what we're going to look at today, uh, how that played out for some folks If you would, at this time, please stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of the Word of God. Ezekiel chapter 33 and beginning in verse 30. Son of man, your people talk about you in their houses and whisper about you at the doors. They say to each other, come on, let's go hear what the prophet will tell us. But the Lord is saying, so my people come pretending to be sincere, and sit before you. They listen to your words, but they have no intention of doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words, and their hearts seek after only after money. You are very entertaining to them, like someone who sings love songs with a beautiful voice or plays fine music on an instrument. They hear what you say, but they don't act on it. But when all these terrible things happen to them, as they certainly will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Let us pray. Father God, thank you that over time you sent prophet after prophet after prophet until finally one day you sent the one who had been prophesied. You sent Jesus to us, not only to live among us, but to die for us and to redeem us and to live forevermore so that we might live forever with you. Thank you for this word of scripture. We pray that you would bless it and use it 
to draw us closer to you and make us more like Jesus. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. As I have talked with folks over my years in ministry, I have uh, heard folks looking for a lot of different types of church churches. I heard some fo- hear some folks say, I like a big church. I like a church that's big and has lots of money and lots of things. I hear other folks say, Pastor Tim, I like a small church. I like it cozy. I like it where everybody knows everybody, and, and that just feels comfy for me. Some folks say, I like a traditional church. I like things played just so in a very traditional and proper way. Other folks say, I like a contemporary church. I like something that's just, you know, out there and on the edge and new and different. And, and I could go on and on. Some folks say, now, I like a church with good programs. I want a program for my child. I want a program for my youth. I want a program for me. And and lots of different things. But I've never heard anyone say, Brother Tim, what I really want, what I really think is biblical is a boring church. Please give me a boring church. That's what I want. Nobody has ever come to me. They might have said, your church is, uh, you know, they might have hinted my sermons. But they've never said, that's what we want. People like interesting things. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing bad about that at all. It's all natural that we want to go, especially, if, I mean, if we want to find out from, more from the Lord, we want to, don't want to go and be bored. We want to be interested so we'll learn more, so we'll get closer to him. And, and, and that's not a new thing that our generation has just suddenly made up. One of my favorite quotes from Abraham Lincoln is when he said, I like a man to preach like he's fighting bees. Now, can you imagine that? Can you get that visual imagery? I mean, apparently he liked him to stomp and to, you know, snort and to do all that stuff. But in other words, even Abe Lincoln said, I want my preacher to keep me awake. I want the service to be kind of sort of interesting. Nothing wrong with that at all. But the problem is, When we began to take our church service to saying this is a church entertainment. When I am not a participant in worship, I am a spectator to watch the show. When I come not to learn, not to humble myself under God and listen, but I come to critique. I come to judge. I come to say, Mm, the music today, I give that, the announcements, oh, they were, you know, but, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, nothing personal, Tyler. Uh, no, I, I was really thinking when you said this isn't a highlight, I'm, I'm sure your announcements are a highlight for many people, amen? Okay, all right, so um, I've smoothed that over, right? <laughs> but we come God tells us to come open to say, God, what do you have for me? What do I need to confess? What do I need to change? What do I need to begin to obey? Something I've known about, but, you know, I just haven't really gotten on track. That person I should have ministered to, that one I need to witness to and share my faith, that that hurt that I need to forgive. I've been holding on and holding it over their head. But God, you've spoken to me and you've said that we are to forgive as we've been forgiven. See, we're come to, to learn and to take it in. Ezekiel was drawing crowds. 
vast crowds. And a lot of churches today would be so pumped about Ezekiel's ministry, they'd say, Ezekiel, man, you are filling the pews. The offerings are good. The numbers are up. Everybody's talking. You know, social media everywhere, they're talking about you. They didn't have social media, so it said they were whispering at the doorways. That was their version of saying people were saying good things on Facebook, you know? But as God said to Ezekiel, I don't care about how many people are showing up. I don't care about the buzz going on about your ministry. I don't care about the money that they're giving. It's their heart for when they show up. Because when they show up, they're not saying, God, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. God, I need you to help me. I need to be more like you. They're saying, oh God, I hope we get a good show. This guy, Ezekiel, is a nut. And if you haven't been here for our previous uh, messages, you know, he did things like having visions. He did things like preaching to mountains. He went out, you mountains, I rebuke you. He did things like setting up little play sets, kind of like army sets that were symbolizing what was going to happen to the nation. He did all sorts of weird, that's just a few things, all sorts of strange things. And they came to hear him speak for the show. They probably thought to themselves, boy, this is the greatest show I've ever seen. Little did they know that an even greater show was coming because the prophesied one, the Messiah, was coming. And when he did come to this earth, Can you imagine a better place to be? Can you imagine a person that was talked about more? Jesus Christ has been talked about more than any other person for 2,000 years. Has been even acknowledged. I think it was Time Magazine did something a number of years ago where they said the number one most influential person of all times. And in his day, he was healing. Uh, He was making the lame to walk and the blind to see. He was touching those with all sorts of sicknesses, illnesses. He was casting out demons. I mean, he was doing all kinds of things. Hey, this guy turned regular water into wine. You think that would make you popular with people? He was a very popular, he was a very likable person. People were all talking about Jesus. In fact, just before the triumphal entry, he had been with some friends, Mary and Martha, been to visit because they said, hey, our brother Lazarus is sick. When he got there, Lazarus had already died and he got fussed at, Jesus, if you'd have been here, you could have done something. Jesus called and said, Lazarus, come forth. And from that tomb, a man who had been dead rose again. Some of the people in Jerusalem, a few of them had been there, but many of them had heard. On top of all the things that Jesus had done, now he's even bringing new life. He is raising the dead. And so when he appeared that day, Hear this town of Jerusalem that might have in that day been around 100,000 folks, but around the Passover, the population would swell to almost a million. 
this huge crowd of people who all gathered for the Passover. There they were talking about Jesus. He was the name on every lip. And when he entered, they grabbed those palm branches and they began to wave them and they began to say, Hosanna. In other words, praise God. God saves. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was the ultimate experience to be a part of. I don't know what the best group experience of your life was, but just think of it. Was it a concert? Was it a revival or a youth camp? Was it a wedding? Whatever the best, most energetic, most exciting, the thing that you think, wow, that experience I got was an incredible experience. I don't imagine that any of those things we could talk about would live up to that day in which Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem. He came on a lowly donkey and people put down their clothes and they waved their palm branches and they said, Hosanna! And the people wouldn't shut up. As Becky mentioned, the religious leaders of the day who were jealous of him, they tried to tell people, quiet down, shut up, hush yourselves. And they shouted all the louder, Hosanna, Hosanna! Hosanna. And of course, Jesus said, I won't shut them up. Because if they don't praise God, the rocks will cry out with praise. It was an incredible worship experience. But I am afraid that for many of the people there that day, it might have only been a show. I'm afraid of that because we all know a few days later where a crowd had once cried out, Hosanna. Now a crowd cried out, crucify him. Release Barabbas, a murderer, a vile, evil, sinful man who was rightfully condemned to death. They would release him and instead call for the blood of the spotless lamb of God. Many have said, and I'm sure I have before, that some of the same folks were probably in the crowd who cried out, Hosanna, were now crying out, crucify him. Others have said, well, that's not fair. That was a different bunch. That was some rabble rousers. But if that's true, and maybe it is, my question is, where were the other voices? Where were those who cried out, Hosanna? Why were they not crying out, Jesus, release Jesus, give us him. He's innocent. Maybe they flip-flopped, or maybe they were simply silent. But the Bible does not record the voices of those standing up and calling for Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, why are you here? Why are you here? The answer isn't because it's Sunday. The answer isn't, you know, it's the thing I do. But why do you really come? Is it merely a habit? Is it to come and watch a show? I mean, it can be a pretty good one sometimes. 
I told Becky, I was amazed. I said, Becky, only you have the talent to make kids line up patiently to get a free rock, okay? <laughs> I can't do that, but that is the amazing power of a children's minister. Hey, kids, you're going to wait and wait patiently to get a rock, okay? You know, there's some pretty interesting stuff that goes on here. But why are you here? I certainly hope that none of you are here like the people in Ezekiel's day, purely to watch a show, purely to say, entertain me, purely to say, give me what I want. Feed me. But others might be here to say, I'm here, praise God, hallelujah, hosanna, king of kings, Lord of lords, we love you, we praise you, because right now, things are going good. Right now, it's easy to be a Christian. Right now, you've answered my prayers. Right now, at this moment, it's, everything's okay. You see, on Palm Sunday, it was easy to be a Christian. It was easy to say, praise Jesus the momentum was there. Everybody was on that same side. You were part of the crowd when you followed Jesus. You fit in by following Jesus. And it was easy. But on Friday, it was a different story. This morning, I want you to think about your walk with God and where it's at. Is it all the way <laughs> saying, I'm a skeptic? I'm here because somebody made me or guilted me or because of a routine. Man, I hope it's not. Because God said to Ezekiel, all those folks who come for that reason, they're going to get what's coming to them. And when their day comes, when they meet judgment, they'll realize they should have paid attention. They should have taken it seriously. Well, maybe you're more like that person on Palm Sunday who said, praise God. It's church. I'm happy. Things are good right now. Praise the Lord. But where are you when times are tough? If we're honest, all of us can say at some point in our lives, we've been in that place because when tough times have come, strayed or we've stumbled or we've doubted and that's where God's grace comes in because if you find yourself today being honest with yourself and admitting I haven't been for the right reasons or I haven't been like I should I haven't been following Jesus the way I should that's where God's grace is so amazing Peter found out he was one of those in the crowd who said, Hosanna, on Sunday. And on Friday, he was silent. <laughs> Other, in fact, more than that, that night before, he had said, I don't know him. And Jesus came to him in his grace and his mercy, and he simply wanted to reaffirm the relationship. He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Why are you here today? If it's for the absolute right reason, praise God. Thank him that you're here for the right reason. Don't give yourself a pat on the back. 
Let's say, God, thank you that you've opened my eyes to see. I'm here to worship you. But if it's not in that place, if you're not where you need to be, then you come to Jesus and you admit it. And you say, I failed you. But God, you're a God of mercy. You're a God of grace. And by your mercy and by your grace, God, I want to worship you. Not put on a show, not warm a pew. God, I want to worship you with all my heart. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful and thankful that you love us even when we fail, in spite of our failures. God, we all fall, we all stumble. God, we're all hypocrites at times. We all know more than we actually do. We don't live up to what we know we ought to. But God, help us to realize that your words are life, that this isn't just a routine, it's not even just a show, but God, it's a place where we meet you and God, we receive life through your spirit, through your word, and through your people. Strengthen us today. Help us where we failed you to have humility to confess and to receive your grace as you restore us. God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.